We are in the third week of our series, Wait What? And we're looking at some of the weird stories in the Bible. And there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them. It's okay for us to say that. And like when you read a passage of scripture, be like, wait, what is this? Did that really? Hold on. I'm confused. And let me just say, I'm right there with you. There's been plenty of times in the Bible where I read something, either it's a story or it's a idea or it's an encounter. And I'm like, no, is this, this can't be, this is the Bible? And uh, sometimes, I think sometimes in church or, or in Christian culture and things like that, we sort of like ignore those things that are confusing to us. And we're, I, I'm not going to talk about it, I don't know either, and so we're just going to avoid it. And so the point of this series is just, just to talk about it, and at the end of the night, if we're still confused, that's okay, because I told you it was confusing from the beginning. And so if we go home, like, I learned nothing, like, yeah, we tried, um, but at the same time, we believe that none of God's word is by accident. That these stories, although they're a, a little bit different contextually or, or with where they're living and the time period, although some of them are, are kind of odd, we believe that God has a word for us even in them. And uh, so this is week three of our series, Wait What? The first week we looked at the Tower of Babel, um, that, that event that took place where these, these people decided that they were going to build a tower to the heavens and then God scrambled the language. Um, and then last week we were introduced to a character named Jacob. And Jacob has lots of weird stories. We're going to look at two of them. Last week we looked at the first one where he works for seven years hoping to marry a girl by the name of Rachel. He wakes up the next morning after the wedding night to realize that he accidentally married her not-so-good-looking sister, Leah. Not my words, Bible words. And uh, wake up the next morning, and he's like, whoa, that's not Rachel. And we're like, well, what's wrong with you that you went the whole night and you didn't realize it wasn't Rachel? That's kind of weird. Um, but he, so he works another seven years in order to get Rachel. So then he leaves with two wives, um, which, again, another strange, bizarre situation. Now, we're going to continue to follow his life a little bit. So uh, he leaves uh, uh, where he had been working uh, for a guy named Laban, and he's going back to his country. We'll talk about that more in a moment. And we're just going to jump right in because I think having no context make the story a little bit more bizarre. Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 22. I'll read it to you. And it says, And he arose that night, speaking of Jacob, and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons. So a lot has happened since the last time we've seen him. 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. Everyone say Jabbok. All right. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man, notice capital M, a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he, capital H, saw that he did not prevail against him, he, again, uh, capital H, touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, capital H, let me go, for the day breaks. But he, Jacob, said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, again, capital H, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Notice that word. 
Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you asked about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, um, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. It's talking about, like, animals' hips. He's not talking about, like, he ate. They no longer ate the hips of people. Um, Like, I know it doesn't say, like, they no longer ate the hips on, like, cows. That's what it's talking about. Like, anyways, that's besides the point. So that's, that's kind of the story. Um, we're, we're introduced to Jacob, and we're told that he wrestles with a man. And then at the end of the story, we're told very clearly that the person that he wrestled with was God. I titled this message, if you take notes, say uncle. Somebody say uncle. <laughs> uncle. You guys heard this phrase? Um, it's funny, like, I feel like there's one move in, like, fighting or wrestling that people actually say uncle, at least in my experience. It's rare that, like, when you're wrestling and you pin somebody, usually it's the tap out. One move that gets come, somebody to say uncle, and it's when you grab their arm and, like, go like this. Like, it's like that move. You're like, ah, uncle. I don't know why it's a thing, but you guys heard this? Say uncle when you want people to, to you've heard it. Yes. When, when, when you're heard, it, like, man, whatever, I'm going to go home. Say uncle. It's this idea of like, I give up, I surrender, you got me. It's the, it's the equivalent of the tap out of, of I, I'm done. Now, this story, um, if we're jumping right in, we're told that Jacob wrestles with God all night long. And then we're told at the end of the wrestling match, we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But at the end of it, we're told that Jacob prevailed. And this text leads us to believe that Jacob wrestles with God and wins. Jacob wrestles with God, and he wins. Now, last week we saw that Jacob had fled his home country and went to this town where this guy named Laban lived. He worked there for 14 years. He got two wives, two maidservants, 11 kids, a bunch of oxen and goats and different things like that. And now he has actually ruined the relationship between him and Laban. Laban hates his guts now. He did something, classic Jacob, he tricked him, he he got him all upset, and now Laban hates Jacob. So Jacob gathers his two wives, his two maidservants, all of his oxen, all of these things, and he's leaving the country of Laban, and he's going back home to where he's from. Now there's a little bit of a problem for Jacob. When Jacob left his home country, his brother Esau wanted to kill him. Because Esau, uh, the older brother, he had tricked into giving him his birthright and his blessing over a bowl of soup. Like, I love soup as much as the next guy, but like your inheritance, I'm not sure about that. And so he tricks his brother Esau into giving him his inheritance over a bowl of soup. So Jacob has to leave. He flees the country, and Esau vows that day that he is going to kill his brother uh, Jacob. So now Jacob is leaving Laban's country. He's ruined his relationship with Laban. He's got to leave there. And he's going back to where he knows he's going to encounter his brother Esau. And Esau is mad. So before he encounters Esau, he comes up with yet another scheme. 
This is Jacob. If you remember, Jacob was a trickster. His name literally means heel catcher. And this idea is he's always trying to do things his own way and make things happen for himself. And we're told, look at uh, in the same chapter, if you go up into verse 7, it says it like this. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed because he's going to meet his brother Esau. He divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company, which is left, will escape. And then Jacob sends the family in front of him and he hides in the back with his favorite wife, Rachel, and his favorite son. Kind of a sleazeball, right? Like he sends all of his family ahead of him. He, he stands in the back and hides. He breaks them up into two companies. And he's like, well, hopefully one of them will survive. So that's, that, again, is Jacob's scheme. He sends a family ahead, and now he's left alone. And we're told that while he's left alone, he wrestles with God. Wrestles with God and prevails. Now, this is not a wrestling match because it's not even, right? A, a, a wrestling match, part of wrestling or boxing or things like that is that you're in weight classes. And, and the goal is you have to be within a certain weight class to wrestle or fight the opponent who is also in the weight class. Like, it's not fair if me and Miller, why don't you stand up here for a second? Come here, come here, bud. It, like, it wouldn't be fair if the two of us went into a wrestling match together, right? Because he'd kick my butt, right? I mean, it would just be no contest, right? Thanks, buddy. You can sit down. Give it up for Miller, everybody. Like, no contest. I, I'm, I'm, I'm uncle, right? I'm uncle, you got me. It's not fair. The, the, the weight class, the reason you put them in weight classes so that the wrestling is a match, this is not a wrestling match because it's not a fair fight. It's God. It's God, right, versus this guy named Jacob. And yet we're told that somehow, for some reason, that Jacob prevails. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is confusing to me. Because when you're looking at Scripture, one of the things you have to do, if you, if you ever decide to, to read through your Bible or to study some concept, which I really encourage you to do, if you ever do that, one of the things they teach you about studying the Bible is you have to look at everything through the lens of the whole Bible. What, what happens is people will take one verse or one idea and say that this is the final truth, and they'll ignore other portions of the Bible in order to look at this one thing. And one of the things they teach you is that the, the Scripture Scripture has to interpret Scripture. So there's, if there's areas or things or ideas that you don't understand, you have to look at them through the lens of the whole Bible. And so like this verse is kind of confusing, or this idea or this concept or this thing is kind of confusing. I'll give you a quick example. This is like Bible college, even though I didn't go to it. Bible college 101. There's a scripture in the book of James that says, Faith without works is dead. That This idea that unless your faith... It is proven by its works, it's not real faith. If we focus on that verse alone, what we would have to do or what we would decide is that in order for us to be made right with God, it's based upon what we do. It's, it's by my works. It's my good behavior. It's my church attendance. It's all of these things. Well, when you look at that verse through the lens of the whole scripture, what you realize is that it's through grace that you're saved, not of works, lest anyone should boast, but then from faith, 
you begin to do good works. And when you can look at the whole, when you can look at that one verse in light of the whole scripture, things make sense. The reason I say all of that is because when you read a story and say that God wrestled with Jacob and Jacob won, you go, hold on. Because I know, like, I read a little bit about the Bible. I know that, like, God doesn't lose. Like, God kind of wins at everything. He's God. There's not going to be a day like God's going to be like, oh, uncle, uncle, you got me. Right? The, the, the reality is God is God, and God wins. At the end of the day, like God is, he's in control, he's in charge, he's going to do the things that he's going to do. So we have to consider two things when looking at a scripture like this. One, this man actually isn't God. But that's not the case. L- listen to this verse, Hosea chapter 12, verse 3. It says it like this. Hosea chapter 12, it says, He took his brother by the heel in the womb, it's speaking about Jacob, and in his strength, listen, he struggled with God. And it goes on to say this. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought favor from him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spoke to us. That is the Lord God of the host. The Lord is his memorable name. So right then and there, it tells us very clearly that the man that Jacob wrestled with is 100% God. It's, It's not saying like, well, it was just like, it was a really buff guy. Like, he, he was, like, God-like. He was, like, Thor. Like, God-like. No, no, no. It says very clearly that this is, that Jacob, he wrestles with God and he wins. Now, this is what we would call a Christophany or a theophany. Again, another big Bible idea. Basically, it is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. So before Jesus was born of the virgin and came in 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for their sins, there would be appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament. There's a few moments. Sometimes he's called the angel of the Lord. Sometimes, like in this text, he's called very clearly God. Whatever the case, this is Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, in flesh, wrestling with Jacob. And again, I want you guys to get this. I want you to understand this. Jacob wins or Jacob prevails. Now, God is showing up in this moment to actually answer Jacob's prayer. Listen again. This is earlier. The same chapter, uh, Genesis 32, verse 9. It says this. Then Jacob said he's praying. He says, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country to your family, and I will deliver, or I will deal well with you. He says, I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies you and all the truth which you have shown your servant, for I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and I have become two companies. He says, deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered. For multitude. So he makes his prayer. Now imagine the scene. He knows his brother's coming. His brother's mad. He's terrified of what's going to happen. He divides his family up. He says, one company, the one that I doesn't, don't like so much, is going to go that way. The one that I like more is going to go this way. I'm going to hide in the back. And then he says, God, now notice this is besides the point. Notice he makes his plan and then he prays. Never a good way to do it. The way to do it, if you, if you want to really be successful walking in the things of God, is to pray and then to make your plan. And to ask God, like, hey, how do you want me to do it? But that's not how Jacob does it. He makes his plan, and he's like, um, 
hey, God, this is what I'm doing. Hope it's okay with you. So, so he makes his plan, and then he prays his prayer. He says, God, deliver me, he says, from the hand of my brother Esau. But listen, this is the point. This is what I want you guys to understand. Esau is not Jacob, Jacob's biggest problem. Jacob is Jacob's biggest problem. Up until this point in his life, every problem that Jacob has experienced has been a direct result, not of Esau, not of the big, bad, scary God out to get him, not because of Laban, or not because of the one girl that wasn't as cute as the other girl he liked. None of those was the problem. The problem for Jacob was Jacob. And God shows up to answer his prayer. He says, God, deliver me. And, and he's like, deliver me from, from my problem. He thinks it's Esau. God shows up and he says, you know who your problem is, right? It's you. you this is an answer to your prayer request, and I'm going to wrestle you out of you. Basically, God shows up in this moment to answer the prayer that Jacob prayed. So but side point, be careful what you pray for. But sometimes we pray, like, God, use me. Like, I want my life to be on display. Like, I want people to know that I am for you. And then all of a sudden, God does that. And you're like, wait a second. That's not what I wanted. I didn't want it to be like this. I didn't want to be. I, I, this is not what I asked for. So be careful what you pray for because God answers prayers. So he says, God, please deliver me from my brother Esau. And God's like, oh, you need to be delivered. It's not from Esau, it's from you. And I am coming to wrestle you out of you. God showed up because Jacob needed to give up. Point number one, you could write this down. Success comes from surrender. Success comes from surrender. The struggle for Jacob has always been between what he wants and what God wants. And listen, this is our main struggle. So much of life is this is the struggle between what I want and between what God wants. Do we want what God wants and will we do what God wants so that we get it? Or are we going to do the things that we think is right and the things that we want and what we feel and the direction that we want to go? And the biggest problem that all of us face is this inward battle between what I want and what God wants. Every day you have to make that decision. Every day you wake up and you decide, am I going to do what I want to do? And you feel those desires. You feel those emotions. Go to this thing or, or send that text or go to this website or act like this or behave like that and, and do this thing. And every day you have those, those inward conflicts or at the same time there's a fight going, do what God wants. You know, maybe wake up and, and pray and spend some time with him or maybe listen to a podcast or, or maybe or talk with the friends that are going to encourage you in the things of God or, or maybe turn on the worship music for once or, or, or whatever it is. And, and there's this inward conflict that we deal with all the time between, with, between what I want and what God wants. And this is the wrestle that takes place. God is physically wrestling with Jacob, but this is an a inner battle that Jacob has been dealing with his whole life, and this is an inner battle that we deal with all the time. All the time in our hearts, we wrestle with God. We find ourselves, God saying, like, do you know what? I, I really think that if you, if, you, if you did this, you'll find yourself happier. And you're like, oh, but I don't want to do that because what if I, uh, what if they said this? And, uh, 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 uh. 
and like we're, we're wrestling and we're doing our things. And God's saying like, no, no, I, I have the best plan for you if you would just surrender, if you would just say uncle, if you would just give up, you will experience the things that I have for you. And there's this, this wrestling match that takes place within us. Not between, again, not between God and Jacob, but between Jacob and Jacob. Because he will, if he will give up and surrender, he will get what God has for him. And listen, it's when Jacob surrenders that he finally wins. Because he's allowing God to take control. We will find success and the life we're looking for when we surrender to God. Here, the fight is happening. And, and notice the win that Jacob has. Like the, the way that we're told it ends is that Jacob is holding on to him. And God says, let me go for the day breaks. And he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And uh, there's a later verse. Actually, we'll pull it up right now. I put this on at the end of my message, but I'm going to go to it now. Hebrews 11:21. It says it like this, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on top of his staff. Is there another verse or is that all I gave you? Go back to the Hosea verse then. Maybe it's that one. Hosea? Three brothers are healed and strength. There's another verse somewhere. I don't have it. Whatever the case, we're told that, that Jacob, while he wrestles with God, that he's weeping and he's saying, bless me. So the picture, the, the way this kind of paints is like that, that Jacob's got like God in a chokehold and he's like, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the reality is Jacob is holding on for dear life. God has won the fight. He's holding on for dear life, but he's like, he won't let go. And he's crying. He's begging God. He's like, I, I don't leave. Don't let go until you bless me. What he's saying is, God, don't let go of me. I know I failed. I know I've screwed up. I know I've, I know I've made a mess of my life. But God, don't leave me until you bless me. Hey, what he's doing, he's saying, God, I give up and I want what you have for me. He, he's crying and he's going, God, I'm just, I'm done and I don't want you to walk away from me until you've blessed me. Jacob, is he, he's surrendering in this moment. He's giving up. He's saying, God, I want what you have. And listen, the life that God has for you, the, the best life, the intended life comes when you surrender to God. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 says it like this. Jesus speaking, he, he says, do I have that one? Show me that one. Show me 15. That's not the right one. I'll turn there. Matthew 16. Hey, can we give it up for our tech team people? They're amazing. And they've got to deal with me and ADHD. Matthew 16, it says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life, he says, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He says the life, the life that you're looking for is found in surrender. Let me tell you that the, the battle that you face inside every single day, all of us go there. The battle that you face inside is won through surrender. It is the only battle in the world that's won through surrender. 
There's no, there's, no battle, there's no fight where if you go, I give up, did you win the fight? Right? There's no fight. If you, if you go into battle and you've got your white flag at the beginning of it, you lost the fight. Like you are taking, being taken as a prisoner of war. You lost. If you go into the boxing ring and you go down, you're like, uncle, before they even throw the first punch, you lost the fight. But God says, listen, if you want to win, if you want to win, it's through surrender. Why? Because at the end of the day, you don't want to win for yourself. You don't want what you think you want. God has the best thing for you. And at the end of it, when he surrenders, when he gives up, he gets three things. And worship team, you guys are going to come up here now because I should be done in about three minutes if everything goes according to plan. Three things that he gets as a result of him surrendering. Number one, he gets blessing. At the end of the scene, it does not look like victory for Jacob. He's holding on, crying, begging to be blessed. This is so stupid, but if you guys were at the house party on Friday night, we played that game. Tell me the name of the game, Christian. What was it called? Game Beast. You guys play this game? <laughs> okay, so you're basically, I wish, I wish we could see it because if you haven't played it, it's so funny. But you're basically like these jello type blobs, and the whole goal is to grab on to the other people and throw them off the side of like a cliff or a building, and if you, it's like king of the hill kind of thing. But it's like the funny little jello people. And you literally just hold on. And it's so funny because the whole time you're, like, grabbing onto anything that you can. Like, they've got your leg, and you're, like, holding onto this thing, and they're trying to throw you off the side. And the reason I bring that up is because I, I, that's kind of how I picture Jacob when he's holding on to God. Like, God's like, he's like, get off of me. And Jacob's like, nope, like, gelatin guy. Like, I'm not, I'm not letting go. I'm not giving up. And what he's saying is, God, I want the blessing that you have for me. Listen, when you surrender to God, when you give up from what you want and hold on to what God wants, there is blessing. The Bible says you are favored, you are head and not the tail, that God has plans and purposes for your life, plans not to harm you but to give you future and a hope, to experience the goodness and the grace that God has for you. You are blessed in Christ Jesus. It says that you have been found blessed from all the blessings in which are in the heavenly places. Like everything that God has in heaven, he wants to bless your life with you are blessed and when you give up and surrender to God you get blessed not earthly blessings where we feel good or we have a big bank account or things like that but you experience the blessing the goodness the favor from God he secondly when he gave up he got a new nature God does something interesting in this moment he, he's got them like they're fighting Jacob won't let go and God's like what's your name and now he's not asking him because he doesn't know his name. He, he wants to hear him say his name. He's like, what's your name? And he says, Jacob. Or, or in other words, heel catcher or, or trickster. This is who I've been. This is my nature. This is who I've been. And he says, not anymore. So your whole life you've been trying to get things ahead on your own. You've been trying to work everything out your own way. And it's gotten you into mess after mess after mess. You think you want what's best for you or you have what's best for you. You don't. And your Jacob has gotten you all the things you don't want. He says, you're not Jacob anymore. You're Israel. You know what Israel means? It means governed by God. It, Jacob was governed by self. Everything he felt, everything he wanted, that's what he did. And God said, not anymore. You've given up. You're now Israel. You're governed by God. Listen, when you say yes to Jesus and you surrender your life to him, you receive the blessing, but you also get a new nature. 
This idea where you have a new identity. You're, you're, you're a new creature, the Bible says, in Christ Jesus. That the old things have passed away. Who you used to be no longer defines you. And you get to walk in this new nature that is in Christ. And then the third thing he gets, he gets blessing, he gets a, a new nature, but then he also gets a new walk. Now, he limps away, right? Now, notice that in that moment, we see that God's in control, right? God just goes, all right, you're done. And, ugh, his hip's out of joint. He just touches him. Like, there's been this fight all night long. Like, Jacob's like, yeah, I'm doing it. Like, you ever wrestled your dad when you were a kid? And you're like, I got him. And then at one point, he just, like, pins you down. And you're like, oh. Yeah, I guess, he's, I guess he's stronger than I am. <laughs> I remember my whole life growing up, like we had, it was me and three younger brothers. We'd wrestle my dad, and we'd think like, oh, the four of us can take him. And then at one moment, he's just like, yep, you're done. Like, I've had enough of this. Like, all of a sudden, there's dad strength. There's like regular strength, and then there's dad strength. And you're like, oh, hello, dad strength. God, Jacob's like, yeah, I got this. I'm beating up God. Like, I'm fine. And then he just goes, all right, you're done. And Jacob's hip out. It's gone. And then for the... In fact, for the rest of his life, for the rest of his life, he walks with a limp. You can pull up that, that verse I mentioned in Hebrews. It says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each one of his sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his son. When he was dying, he was leaning on the top of his staff, meaning at the end of his life, he still walked with a limp. For the rest of his life, he walked with a limp. Well, what do you think that would make him think of every time he walked with a limp? Probably this moment when he wrestled God and prevailed. Like, yeah, you did. Sure you did, Jacob. <laughs> you wrestled with God and you, you walked away different than you came into the fight. Yeah. Let me tell you, when you meet Jesus, you blessed immediately. All the blessings that are in the heavy places are yours. When you say yes to Jesus, you have a new nature. God has a, a new plan, a new thing for you, a new, a new experience for you to walk in. The old things are past. Behold, all things have become new. Then also you have a new walk. There's a new way that you're called to carry yourself. A, a new way that you're supposed to live your life. Now, this is so huge, and I want you to understand this. Jacob walks away with a limp. Maybe it hurt. I'm, I'm sure in the moment it hurt. And who knows how long his, his leg hurt him. I think one of the problems with, with followers of Jesus is that we are too quick to conceal our limp rather than use our limp to glorify God. What I mean by that is there's things in our life, there's pains or there's struggles or there's difficulties or there's frustrations that we've gone through. And for whatever reason, we think that when we come to church, we're supposed to hide our limp and when, we're, when we go out into the world, we're supposed to hide our limp and act like we've got everything together. When in reality, the, the reason we're a follower of Jesus is because we recognize we don't have it all together. We come to Jesus going like, I'm a sinful, broken person, and I can't get this together for myself, and I need Jesus. And then for some reason, we walk out of church like, got it all together, when the reality is, is we are broken and, and daily, we need to be reminded, man, I got a limp. I got doubts. I got struggles. I've got temptations. I failed. I, I've messed up. And for the rest of Jacob's life, he walked with a limp. And listen to this. This, is, this part blows my mind. If you follow scripture, every time God presents himself, 
or every time somebody talks about God, they say that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob almost every time. In fact, I think it's like three to one, or it's even more than that, the amount of times that Jacob is referred to as Jacob than he is Israel. So here Jacob is, he's like, God's like, you've got a new name, you got a new nature, you got a new identity, old things have passed away, and then for the rest of your life, we're going to call you Jacob. <laughs> and you're like, wait. And, and I think what happens is, is we think that our failures and, 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 and our past and all of these things are, are what keeps us from God or, or that defines us or, or anything like that. And, and God says, listen, no. You're, you're free of that. You're forgiven of that. But listen, don't, don't ignore the reality that all of the brokenness and all the failures that got you to God, God might want to use those things to point other people to him. And I think if Christians went out into the world and stopped pretending like they had everything together and went out to the world and were like, I got a limp, bro. That's why I need Jesus. Then we would see other people go like, do you know what? I have limps. And I've got messed up, and I've got mistakes, and I've got issues, and God loves me anyways. And if we went out there and just lived, like, with our limp, we might see God use us in a radical way. Listen, the only way to experience that is through surrender. God's God, God wants to bless you. He wants to give you a new nature. He wants to give you a new walk. That walk might look like a limp. And maybe Jacob, by the end, walked with a little bit of swagger in the limp. But whatever the case, <laughs> God used that to point people to him and to remind us that our failures don't define us. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us. The worship team is going to close this out.